Excess for Podcasts is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For more podcasts about movies, nostalgia, and pop culture, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. I need a hero. I'm holding up for a hero till the end of the night. He's gotta be strong and he's gotta be fast and he's gotta be fresh and we'll fight. I need a hero. I'm holding up for a hero till the morning light. Hey everybody and welcome back to Excess for Podcasts, the show where we take a look at the Uncanny X-Men comic book franchise, starting with Giant Size X-Men number one and make our way forward through the misadventures of Marvel's Merry Mutant. As always, I'm your host, Nico, and today I'm seeing double vision. I have two incredible co-hosts with me today, representing the uncanny side of things. We have Jonah. Hello, everyone. And then over from Team Champions, we have Kyle. Hey, guys. So, as you can see, I've pulled together some of the brightest minds on Exodus for Podcast. And wait, Kevo, give a shout out. See, technically, I pulled together all of the minds from Exodus for Podcast, and we've come together to take care of a little house cleaning. We were taking a look at our read order, and we came to realize that there was sort of a weird intersection of stories that if we covered just a few more issues, every piece of a few puzzles would come together. We also took a look at some things that we could cover to illuminate uh, some stories that are going to come down the line. For instance, we will be covering Hank McCoy, the Beast, once he leaves the Avengers, as well as a few appearances during that time. And it only made sense to cover his transformation. We also saw there were a few Marvel team-ups that we could knock out of the park and cover pretty much every appearance of the X-Men. <laughs> Kyle, how, how's everything going, man? Pretty good. I'm excited for this. All right. I'm pretty excited, too. We're having a lot of fun over on Champions, even though it sucks pretty bad. Oh, so bad. So, so bad. Jonah, though, we're having a great time. Uncanny X-Men has turned into, like, a fucking powerhouse already. Oh, it's great. I'm having a great time. And I'm so excited for this episode because I have no idea what's about to happen. What's about to happen is you're about to get trapped in a blue furry shitstorm, buddy. Although, at this point, it's a gray furry shitstorm. We're going to be taking a look at Amazing Adventures 11 through 17. But before we do that, I want to take just a moment and talk about something major that affected the landscape of comics. Tragically, we lost Stan Lee. I'm going to tell a kind of a personal story. It's a silly personal story, but it's a personal story nonetheless. I've been fortunate enough to show at NYCC, New York Comic Con, several years in a row now. Showing at New York Comic Con is kind of like, I don't know, it's like getting to play at the Oscars for me. It's just such an experience. And our table is located in an area that they bring the big celebrity talent past us every year. It's always the cast of this or the cast of that. And for the last several years... When Stan Lee would appear at New York Comic Con, he would walk right past my table where I would be selling my comics. And, you know, in that moment, it's not like he turned and looked at me and was like, ah, Kid Ryan, Excelsior! But it was both of us being comic professionals sharing that floor, and I could not do what I do if it weren't for Stan Lee having done what he did. When you talk about the greatest runs of all time, it's pretty hard-pressed not to mention Amazing Spider-Man by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, it's impossible not to mention Fantastic Four, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. It's heartbreaking to have lost him. Kyle, how did it affect you? How did uh, how were you about losing Stan Lee? I know he was 95, but still. Yeah, I was pretty uh, sad. We've lost such a creative figure in the world. Jonah, I know you came to comics later on in life. Although, actually, I think you came to comics later on in my life, pretty early in yours. Jonah, tell me. <laughs> Kevin's laughing in the background, everybody. So, Jonah, tell me, how did you feel when you heard about Stanley? It didn't really hit me how old Stanley really was until I was reading a book about the Silver Age of comics, and I realized that 
holy crap, Stan Lee is really old. And as Kyle said, it's not, not any less upsetting, but it was kind of expected. You know, he was kind of getting up there and you're kind of at the age where you're like, at any moment it could happen. It is a possibility. I think Stan Lee was an amazing creator. Marvel owes a lot of their success to him. I think it's just one of those things where when you lose a Walt Disney, there's just kind of no coming back from it. Stan Lee's mark will be left indelibly on his industry forever. Excelsior, editor emeritus. From a sad topic about a beautiful thing to a beautifully funny topic about a sad, crappy book. Jonah over here is our Uncanny X-Men correspondent. Jonah, by this point, we've covered Uncanny 94 to 108 on the show. We've seen the X-Men go from the new kids to the new kids with the Phoenix to in space, and we're in a great place. I feel like Uncanny's turned into a real great book. Oh, the stories are getting amazing, characters are developing, it's it's really fun, it's a good time to be on Uncanny. However, I'm very glad to be on Uncanny and not in Champions. Yeah, Kyle. Yeah. So, I'm really lucky, because like, when I talk about my, my podcasting life, I do now and again with my childhood best friend, and then I do this show with my husband, my boyfriend, and my best friend. And like, I just don't think you get luckier than that, right? But Kyle, <laughs> you sort of drew the fucking short <laughs> stick because you're like on all the worst books forever, man. <laughs> That's okay. You champions, you're on fucking Dazzler. It just never gets better for you. Well, eventually I'll get to X Factor. Yes, and that's a beautiful thing. I'm glad you brought it up. So. It only made sense. He sees the light. It only made sense for Kyle and I to do this episode because we're doing champions, right? And that's Angel and Iceman. And then they go over to Defenders. And there they're joined by the incredible Hank McCoy, everybody's favorite bombastic beast. The stories we're going to be talking about take place a little bit before Jonah and I began our uncanny adventure with Giant Size Number One. Giant Size Number One was published in. April of 1975, but we're going to be going back a little bit further. We're going to be heading back to March 10th, 1972, for a book called Amazing Adventures. Marvel had had many anthology titles, and it's actually a funny story. What many people might not realize is there was a period in time where Marvel had no choice but to publish anthology titles, which featured several characters, because they had a maximum number of books they were allowed to publish a month. They had a maximum number of books they were allowed to publish their month, because DC Comics owned their physical publisher. What? Yeah. How about that for a monopoly? DC Comics gave them a maximum number of titles they were allowed to have until a judge got involved and was like, nah, son, nah, and fixed that up right away. But so for many years, Marvel had a tradition of publishing things under these banner titles, and if they were successful enough, giving them their own book. Amazing Adventures was a book that cycled characters, one of Kyle and I's favorite, Black Widow. She can't get a page to save her life, but, you know, she's one of the better things about the champions. She had a feature in Amazing Adventures. After Hank McCoy had his seven issues in Amazing Adventures, an adaptation of War of the Worlds took its spot. Uh, but for these seven issues we'll be talking about, we're going to be looking at... I can't... I can't even... Jonah, you're in for quite a wild ride. Oh, I'm so ready. Before I'm so ready. Strap me down in the ride vehicle. Oh. Take me on it. Oh. We're going to be looking at Amazing Adventures 11, which was written by Jerry Conway and drawn by Bill Everett. Bill Everett, who is probably best known in my heart for co-creating Daredevil. 
We'll also be looking at 12 through 15 by Steve Englehart and Tom Sutton, as well as Amazing Adventure 16 by Steve Englehart and Bob Brown. Amazing Adventure 17 reprints all of the Beast backup features that told his origin from the original run. Uh, kind of just chopped it all together and stuck it in an issue. It, it feels really as though something's missing there. But, Kyle, Jonah has been tantalized enough. Are you ready to unleash the Beast? Okay. <laughs> you did not. He did. You did not. He did. You called Sunfire a hothead. Okay. <laughs> yes, and I stand by that being funny. And you, Kyle, I believe you made the same joke about Ghost Rider. So I neither did. of you. <laughs> I see. Neither Kyle of you. Kyle knows peak humor. You, I, you with your puns. I will be the punisher if you are not careful. Kyle, read the damn synopsis. <laughs> okay. Amazing Adventures 11. Hank McCoy decides to leave the X-Men in order to research mutation. He finds a girlfriend, deals with a cranky co-worker, and discovers spies. The only way to stop them is to experiment on himself and turn into an actual furry beast. Because that's the totally reasonable thing to do. In Amazing Adventures 12-15, through 15, Hank gets super angsty and tries to cut everyone out of his life. He learns makeup skills, lies to the feds, attacks Iron Man, Joins the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants for a day. Steals a diamond. Turns on the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. And then causes a computer to commit suicide. Our boy Angel thinks something is wrong, and he goes to investigate. Beast is attacked by our future buddy Griffin, and Angel helps save Beast. In Amazing Adventures 16, it's a Halloween special! Beast and former flame Vera, reintroduced as a mystery woman in issue 14, head to Vermont where Juggernaut keeps appearing out of and disappearing back into portals in the air. Fighting, reckless endangerment, instant aging, and dropped plot lines ensue. Finally, in Amazing Adventure 17, have you ever wondered what Hank McCoy was like as a baby? How did he get the Beast name? Here's a bunch of mini-issues that were released to fill a schedule hole after Beast's story in Amazing Adventures got cancelled. Yeah. The sacrifice you have to make to just read that? I think you just gave up the last three months of your life or something. <laughs> explain it. Jonah, were you even able to follow that? A little. I'm sure it's not going to make any much more sense to me as we continue with this episode. Can I ask a question? Why does Marvel have a hard-on for evil computers and having them commit suicide? I'm really confused as to why this is a very common plot point in a lot of their runs. You're aware of the computer that tries to kill itself in Captain Britain by now, right? Yes. Okay, cool. <laughs> so I need to know, why do they keep trying to do this plot point? Who at Marvel hates computers that much that they're driving them to suicide? It was the 1970s. Everybody was scared of them. He has a point. Right? Everybody was like, technology is evil. Thomas Edison was a witch. Burn Tesla. So, like, you know, it was pretty scary. Here's what we need to talk about first. Having read these issues before, I remember really hating all of them. And Kyle said to me when we were going over the first one that he particularly liked the first one. And I was kind of like, I don't know what he's talking about. It's all bad. No, actually, I'm going to give Kyle credit here. I do think the first one is pretty okay. 
what winds up ruining it is the writer change, I think. So, I agree. Kyle, do you want to talk to me a little bit about the first issue, Kyle? Because I really remember you having some interesting ways you saw it. This first issue, it's it, the way that it's written, the way that it's drawn, it's just really cool. It's told in a second-person narration. The art, it's got this really 60s, cheesy horror movie look to it. And it starts right off with us looking at the Beast before we know that it's really Beast. Yeah, because at this point, they've just told us the name is the same, right? They just keep right. calling him the Beast, the Beast. But like... That's sort of a generic name. It's not like, you know, the Hulk Goliath, where we're like, oh shit, there's only one Hulk Goliath. But like, it's the beast. And that second person perspective really gets my attention too, Kyle. Totally agree. Keep going, man. Keep filling me with excitement. <laughs> when we're looking at Beast, he looks like super feral and he's tracking around a security guy around this building we don't really know where he is at the moment we learn that the security guy is actually trying to break into a research lab which seems a little weird and then all of a sudden the beast attacks like, all of a sudden, like, it's just gonna attack all of a sudden, right? Right. And, like, I wanna jump in real quick. A feral note you made. Jonah, do you remember in the first episode when I commented to you that they had to redraw Beast's appearances in Classic to make him look more in line with later Beast? Yes, I do remember. They gave a very brief, brief glimpse as to what Beast looks like now. Yeah. So it's really interesting. Yeah, he had those big scary bug eyes and stuff. He looked like that here. He looked kind of like a gargoyle come to life. Gray and kind of like the gargoyle. Please keep going, Kyle. I'm sorry. I'm just so excited. This okay. is so much fun. We're finding good in this. Yes. So while he's attacking the security guy, uh, he ends up shooting the beast. And what's weird is that the beast starts healing, which we've never seen that happen with Hank. So no. is this really Hank? I'm totally with you, man. That first six pages is really engaging. The first six pages are better than anything that comes after this issue. Totally agree. So then, right around then, we flash back to a couple a couple weeks, I'd say. Maybe a, a couple months. I, It's kind of hard to tell, but it's Hank at the X-Mansion. And he's explaining that he wants to leave, and we realize now that Hank is the beast. Yeah. It's, it's crazy because this is actually the first time any X-Man appears after the series' cancellation in 66. X-Men was canceled with issue 66. In order to save money, issues 67 and on were reprints. The series didn't reboot until between issues 93 and 94 with Giant Size X-Men number 1, which is where Jonah and I picked up in our first episode. So this is actually the first canonical appearance of the X-Men of any of the X-Men, after their title was put into reprints with number 66 in 1970. This is 1972. It's actually about 18 months later. So this is really interesting. We learned that because he got distracted by the security guy, got back to his lab too late, and apparently he's stuck in this form. And he also breaks the machine, which kind of seems a little off. I normally don't think of Hank as somebody who would just break stuff out of anger, you know? 
Yeah, I completely agree with you. You know, there's there's definitely a learning curve to figuring out Hank in this issue, even though this issue is pretty good. There's a lot of really interesting things that we're touching on here. His narration voice that they give him is sort of generic, which I'm okay with because anybody who's read X-Men 1 through 66 can probably attest with me, Hank was kind of the dick. Unfortunately, Jean was the girl, and that's not acceptable by today's standards. It should have never been acceptable by standards back then, but, you know, Jean was just the girl. That was her whole personality. Scott was the Boy Scout. Angel was carefree and rich. Bobby was the jokester. And Hank really was the first one to lose his patience with any of the others. He was a little older. He was also an athlete. Hank, unfortunately, was kind of a jerk. This is him being given a very soft personality, a very heroic personality, but it's it's tortured. I also feel like, even by 1972 standards, this had to be a trope. Hank graduates. How many times can these kids fucking graduate? Jesus. Yeah. Uh, they send him on his way to his new life. He meets an amazing new woman. He has a great new job. He makes, like, huge leaps inside of his lab. He's not chasing evil mutants. And, like, you can even believe the transformation might be temporary. And at the end of the next issue, he'll be back to normal. But, but will he? No. Yeah, exactly. I would like to say there's one thing that somehow has kind of, like, managed to escape the discussion. <laughs> Hank's boss turns out to be working for an evil syndicate of some kind, and he is working for Agent 9, who turns out to be, dun-dun-dun, Miss Donaldson, Beast's Amazing New Lady. So, the whole thing takes Hank McCoy, the nerdy but athletic, kind of dickish older brother of the X-Men, from that to the star of a major conspiracy, love, espionage, corporate, inhuman monster transformation. It's a humongous shift for this character. Yes. This is just such a departure. I do think that Beast is kind of, um, he's, he's a little bit beastier here than usual. But, you know, growing pains, they get it down. The last page of the issue says, next time Beast is going to kill an Avenger. It's so over the top and severe. So, okay, Jonah, you're probably thinking everything they've just described, that's not that weird, right? If No, I it's can- very weird. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we haven't even gotten to Hank having a mask of his face oh, that God. he wears in public. No, that's creepy. Just get a transducer like Nightcrawler has. Stop. No, no. He wears a mask of his face. It's like he no. wears a mask of his own face. That's creepy. He wears Just a wait. Okay, so I'm pretending it's not that weird. It's fine. Yeah, so this is much weirder. I'll admit, the last issue, well, the best of them, Eleven was a little thin. That six pages of intro were really cool. They were atmospheric, but that's not a lot of plot. And then, because so much of the plot was revealed in those six pages, <laughs> there wasn't a lot of plot left. No. So, like, the whole thing was three different kinds of action sequences. Like a suspenseful action sequence, a quickly fast-forward through the actions of life sequence, and then another action sequence. And that brings us to a sudden change in writer. I really do want to know what prompted the change in writer, because it definitely resulted in a change in story. Sadly. I, I'm really sad that this is what happened, because I would have been really interested in seeing what would have come from the original writing staff. Agreed. 
We get the contents of the last issue summed up in one clean page, which usually means that the last issue was a little thin. So let's talk about the issue where Beast murders Iron Man, shall we? Okay. This issue, it starts off with Jean and Professor X kind of invading Hank's head because they want to say hi. I need to pause. Jonah, I know you haven't read this, but does it sound in character to you for Xavier to, for no reason, reach out to one of his students and poke them in the brain? No, because apparently he doesn't do this at any other point in any other of the other comics. So the fact that he does it now is weird. Like, what? that doesn't make sense. No, 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 don't you get it? It's exactly like the one other time he did it, when he inexplicably reached out to Storm that one time. Yeah, sure. See? It proves it. It's okay. It's a pattern now. <laughs> no. Once is an instance, but twice is a hobby. Twice is a hobby. <laughs> Hank gets his little headache because he's being invaded, and he starts acting like an angsty teen and decides that he doesn't want to deal with them anymore. And he tells them to butt out of his life, and he doesn't want them to know about what he's going through because he's a beast. Yeah, it's really interesting because they very quickly figure out what it is that makes Beast work. He has to be chummy and warm and sweet and full of love. He can't be harsh. At this point, they obviously don't know that, and it gets pretty angsty. So it's really unfortunate that we're not at the thing that makes Hank so Hank yet. No. No. He's like, oh, why did I do that? He's pretty, I'm gray and furry, and now I have no one except this mask of my own face. He doesn't have that yet, though. Because oh he my still God, has, he, gets... he has to break into the public library and steal a book about makeup. That is true. What? Yes. What? Yes. That's the plot? <laughs> it's, well, there's more to it. Yeah, there's more um, to it. <laughs> He ultimately gets into a fight with Iron Man and thinks he has murdered Iron Man and, like, runs off into the woods and is like, I'm a monster! And, like, <laughs> seriously. Okay. Seriously. In the next issue, we see that Iron Man is alive. Oh, yeah. Iron Man's totally fine. Yeah, he's totally fine. And everybody's like, "Why? what just happened? Why did he just run off? And then we cut to the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, led by Mastermind. And it's so fascinating that it's Mastermind, because we're about to enter an era of X-Men where Chris Claremont is precious about his toys. I'm inclined to believe this is his final appearance before... No spoilers, no spoilers. But yeah, this is a pretty bland appearance of the Brotherhood. I don't oh think yeah. I think it's particularly dumb. To be honest, they do not come off threatening. They do not fill me with any kind of feels in any direction. They seem like a bumbling trio. Yeah, and then to find out later on that they're actually working for someone else, right. it's, it's a lot to swallow. As we keep pointing out, they don't really know who Beast is yet. We're sort of just going through the motions, uh, accepting the story. So, my only concern is that Beast knows them. He's fought them before, but in these issues, he doesn't remember. Right, that's Mastermind's doing. At one point, I think he says, ah, oh, now I remember. It's something like that. Yeah. yeah. 
it's he's cloudy for mastermind. Now, what's interesting is what Kyle just pointed out that so much of it is like explained away in a throwaway line. That actually kind of becomes the standard for this arc. So much of Hank's early aggression is boiled back down to Mastermind's influence. It all becomes Mastermind did all of this, oh, that's, that's, which is a really quick so. way to, yeah, it's to get out of this personality problem. He steals the diamond, he realizes that, oh, these guys are the bad guys, and kind of uses their powers against them. Pretty open and shut. It's kind of almost forgettable. These next few stories could have each been... I kind of do feel like issues 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 could have each been six-page backup stories. Yeah, probably. I don't think it would have affected the experience. Not at all, no. It would have forced it cleaner stories. Yeah. What do you got for this? Because I'm, I'm pretty much out on this one. Let's move on to the living computer. It's Quasimodo, right? Quasimodo. I'm, like, trying desperately not to look at my notes. I'm like, yep, no, I'm pretty sure it's Quasimodo. Yeah. So, I, I'm i going to be honest. I don't understand this villain at all. Well, you try explaining uh, it to Jonah. See how that goes. Uh, <laughs> he's a computer, right? Okay. Good start. Good uh -huh. start. And I guess he has lasers and life-draining powers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, you lost me. And you, you lost me there. He's apparently weak to emotions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He's weak to that album by Carly Rae Jepsen. Yep, 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 yep. Isn't everybody? Yep. Nope. He's <laughs> fermented by it, babes. Wonder, I, wonder how it do. I melt anytime I I hear that. Yep. So he's a computer with lasers and life sucking powers. Yes. And he's weak to emotions. You've yes. got it. Again. Who at Marvel was so afraid of computers that they Everyone. thought they were going to come to life? Everyone. And the only way to defeat any form of robot and, and is through with their emotions. <laughs> it is a pretty not a, weakness. I, yes. Beast gets shot with a rivet gun and all of a sudden he's not able to heal. And when Quasimodo realizes that Beast isn't healing and he's in immense pain, Quasimodo's like, this is unacceptable, and then decides to commit suicide. He jumps off the building. Yep. Oh, oh, he jumps off a- Yeah. Yep, yep. That's another Marvel plot point in trying to people, when they try to kill themselves, they like to jump off of buildings. Who in Marvel tried to do that and was like, this is a good story. That's what these stories need. Yeah, this issue made absolutely no sense. I mean- None. I, I completely skipped over it, but there was a whole bunch of talking with a guy from uh, the Pentagon, and Beast lied to him, and Agent Nine blew Hank's cover, and stuff like that. But it Oh was... man, all the Agent Nine stuff gets so out of hand at this point. Yeah. So the Agent Nine stuff ultimately winds up going nowhere. At least it, in it, this in this book. Yeah, it's dropped completely with no conclusion. They seem to be fine with that, which I'm not fine with, but okay. I, I think they think they're showing her as an excellent spy. Like, I think they think they're making a case for her in some way or something. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Ultimately, it does all start to fall apart in this middle ground era. It, it all... Yeah. Cause the last issue is funny. 
but it's all starting to yeah. fall apart here because the monsters kind of start just being big fucking bruisers nonstop. Mm-hmm. And there's so much it's not really about what you think it's about in these issues. You know, he fights no one really in the first issue. He fights Iron Man in the second issue. In the third one, he fights three members of the Brotherhood. I appreciate that they're referring to it as the Brotherhood, but if there's no Magneto, you can take your Brotherhood and you can shove it. But that's still got the Blob, and the Blob's kind of like a big fucker, and then you got Quasimodo, who is a very big fucker, but also not threatening in any meaningful way. Yeah. His final lines are seriously... B says, no, I'm dying, I can feel it, but I'll never give up, never. And Quasimodo says, you really mean it, you do. Against all logic and against all hope, you fight on. And further, now that I take the time to look, I see you are badly wounded. My desire for your life is pointless. I have fought for no reason. I have made many errors. It is I, the vampire machine, the inhuman machine, the machine that must die. And then he kills himself. <laughs> and then he dies. Uh, yes. And then he just, and then he just jumps to his death. It's so bad. And there's literally only lot. there's literally only two panels after he kills himself. And Beast is like, yeah. damn, man. Oh, darn. Damn. Yeah. Okay, but then that bottom panel here, like, it brags that the high-flying angel is in the next issue, and I'm kind of like, do we remember the same angel? Because I'm concerned that we don't. Uh, nobody's all like, damn, Warren's in it. Yeah, everybody's kind of like, fuck. Fine. Fine. This next issue is is actually kind of like the linchpin that kind of is the whole reason this episode exists. <laughs> when I saw there was an opportunity to talk a little bit more about the fucking Griffin, um, but okay. Can I so, say the Griffin should really be named the Chimera because he looks a little bit too much like a Chimera to be really a Griffin? I uh, agree. I he looks like, like Bird Omega Red. He, well, oh, I say yeah. he looks like a Chimera, especially in the next appearance he's in. He's much more Chimera-like than he is Griffin-like. I also, this is really weird, I don't really think he's that, I think his actions are terrible, but how he became the Griffin, I kind of feel bad for him. This is still from that stupid era where everybody gets a complicated, sad backstory. Yeah. And you know what? I don't have the patience for it. I appreciate your humanity, Joji. I think it's really beautiful that you're like a really good guy and you want to be like, no. I feel bad for this bad guy. But at the same time, I'm like sitting over here and I'm like, no, he's really annoying. All of his appearances suck. Uh, I hate him. The fact that we have to read him two or three more times really sucks. And I hate him. (laughs) Oh, no, he's in Champions. He's over in Champions. Oh, never mind. I take everything I say back. I feel bad. Yeah, he's, he's terrible. <laughs> in my uh, he's, um, but he's such a waste. Yeah, although he's not the biggest waste in this issue. I would no. like to turn everybody's attention to the Agent 9 page. There is a page where Agent 9 is at her computer, and she says, 8.48, precisely time to contact the Masters. And it cuts over, and she says, this is Agent 9. Number one, calling to register a complaint. And it shows the Cobra commander with a number one on his head. Yep, yep. And he says, a complaint, number nine, against whom? 
Okay, and then there's like a, a little caption box, so we should things we should know. And the guy's like, True Blue Marvelites already recognize the group number one. Heads up, the newly found will have suffered till the... I can't even fucking read this. True Blue Marvelites already recognize the group number one. Heads up, the newly found will have to suffer till the next page. What? Uh, I'm more confused than before hmm. I read it. So then... Hmm. It turns out... Okay, this is where the fucking whole thing <laughs> falls apart. Yep. She says, Against whomever sent Quasimodo here, Mastermind jeopardized my job enough without more attention being drawn to Brand. Brand being... That's the, uh, the yeah, company the place, that yeah, place they were currently. Number one says, Mastermind tried to capture the beast on my orders, number nine. But Quasimodo came on his own after secretly reading your reports. It was unauthorized. It won't reoccur. First of all, it, the word is recur. Okay? <laughs> the word is not reoccur. Okay? <laughs> and and I just don't can, like can this I just, issue. Can I just point out that everybody except for Agent 9 is dressed up like Covert Commander? Not just number one? Yeah, you have a really good point. And they all it's have just, their numbers on their foreheads. Which is very convenient, so you never get confused. Right. It's just bad. Yes. And I don't know how we've managed to get this far to the issue and not mention that Warren is in this issue, <laughs> like, fighting alongside Hank against the Griffin. I'm sorry, the Chimera. <laughs> Thank you. You're I appreciate welcome. you humoring me. I know it's so hard for you. No, I, I'm, happy to, I'm happy to do anything that makes this character less horrible. Number one, I, I now realize that that means when Warren ultimately fights him in Champions, he'll have fought the Griffin before. Right. And that kind of makes him like his, like, similar color winged nemesis. Warren will suddenly have the ability to punch people unconscious. All the time. All the time. Interesting. Yes. It's way out of his strength class, so I don't know how he's doing it. But speaking of strength classes, Juggernaut is about to crash a beach party. Hey, we forgot one little thing about that little Oh, issue. hit me. Hit me, hit me. What we forget? We forgot that was where Hank officially turns from gray to blue. That is absolutely true. Hank blues it up. Yeah, he does. I'm looking yeah. right at it. Apparently, throughout the last, what, four issues, he was still mutating from when he decided to be all heckle and jive. Or... Jekyll and Hyde, wow. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> I swear, you know I haven't been drinking. You know what? Like, I literally just went back. He's kind of blue in the last issue, but he's still kind of grayish. Yeah. It's it's interesting. Yeah, I see that there's a transition, and I believe it now. Mm-hmm. Juggernaut shows up and bums me out. Talks Can I just me. point out one more thing about this cover of this issue. It features Juggernaut and the Avengers. But... Yeah. That's not what's going to happen. A little bit of background on comics. The Marvel method of writing comics used to be somebody would write up the plot. That would be the writer. They would give it to the artist. The artist would draw it. They would give it back to the writer. Sometimes the artist wouldn't draw exactly what the writer wrote. And then the writer would kind of reorganize it with the editor and then script whatever they kind of photoshopped together. And that was how comics got made at Marvel. <laughs> Oftentimes the covers would reflect what was brought up two months earlier. 
Oh. And other times they just didn't care and just wanted to draw a cool cover. I don't know, it kind of looked cool. I was a little disappointed when nothing inside came close to it. Yeah, it's a pretty stupid issue. Like, I like. Oh yeah. Trying to be mean. It's it's a particularly stupid issue. It feels like they know that they're being canceled. And yeah, I mean, I really do want to find like a source on it, but it it is jarring that the Beast's story just ends and then there's this reprint. Uh, There's no finality. There's no closure. All of the characters are left dangling up there. In fact. This feels like the aside before you go back and close out all of the stories. Mm-hmm. I do know that some of these characters that we came across here, specifically Vera, the Beast's ex-girlfriend, and current love interest, again, it would seem, they just sort of dropped that he had any interest in Ms. Donaldson, and he just seemed to be back with his ex-girlfriend going to a beach party. Uh, it makes no mention. Party? No. No. What is it? They were they were traveling towards Canada, and they were going to go to a costume party on the way. Oh, it's a costume party. I don't know why I keep saying beach party. I don't oh, know. Oh, because I do know why. Because Juggernaut gets dropped in the ocean. That's right. So in my head, it has to have a beach. Yeah. It's so... Just... <laughs> no, go ahead. Which it's is weird, dumb. because they're in Vermont. There's something that just doesn't feel like this could possibly have been the intended finale of that arc. No, because they, they were talking about having to go to Canada in order to stop an Armageddon or Doomsday or something. And Vera's the one who's dragging Hank up there. Then all of a sudden, Juggernaut is appearing out of portals. Yeah, and then this is a death of Juggernaut. He ages and, you know, it's kind of like the Captain Britain thing. He just ages to death right in front of their eyes. Once he's released from the power controlling... Wow! This has so many parallels to Captain Britain. I'm freaking out. It's pretty awkward that that all the brand corporation stuff just comes to a screeching halt. The next time Beast shows up, it's in Avengers. I believe he first shows up in Avengers 137. I believe he officially becomes a member in 155. He remains in the book on and off until... He and then he, when I say on and off, he just appears at X Men. You know, he's never really out of the books. In fact, he makes a lot of guest appearances. He becomes a very popular character because he's an Avenger, and an Avenger can kind of go anywhere in the Marvel universe anytime they want. Jonah, in your first episode, you said to me you originally did not know that Gene did not start out as the Phoenix. How was it for you hearing <laughs> us talk about <laughs> Hank becoming the Beast? Well, from doing this podcast, I learned that Beast did look human. He was just much more acrobatic. He still had pretty much the same power set. But again, it's still bizarre to me. That's not how they started off. I don't want to say this is bad, but there's not a proper word for me to describe my feelings on how Beast, his backstory of how he's the Beast is portrayed. But, um, I would call yeah, it it's rough. A- Rough. Rough is a good word. It's rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's kind of nothing you can do about that. It's the canon. <laughs> Kyle, talk to me, man. I know we both have an affinity for the big hairy dude. How did this all sit for you? I think that the first issue was really fascinating. I wasn't aware that 
Beast became what I knew of him from reading and through the animated series because he experimented on himself. And actually seeing his transition from that initial result of that experiment through dealing with the effects of Mastermind's powers and then his personality starting to coalesce to closer to what we're we're used to was actually kind of cool. Even if the stories that brought us to that point really were bad. I completely agree. I think that's a really good way to put it. I enjoyed the destination even if I didn't love the journey. Beast is a great character, and I just think it was a rough road getting there. Mm -hmm. We came, we saw, we turned gray, then we turned blue, we stole a diamond, we worked with some supervillains, we killed an Avenger, JK on both of those. Exactly. We got a robot to commit suicide? We got a robot to commit suicide, and that seems to be the consistent goal of this show going forward at this point. (laughs) Death to all technology. Gentlemen, I want to thank you both for coming out and representing and uh, being being the best co-hosts I could ask for. And Kevo, I want to thank you for being in the background and helpful and popping up online the way you do. Popping and locking Yaya. He's hyper literate. Kyle, talk to me. Where can your fans find you? Sure. You guys can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at Drantis82. That's uh, D-R-A-N-T-I-S-8-2. Jonah, how about you? Where can your fans find you? You can find me on Twitter at Jonah Rubino, or you can also find me on Instagram at Jonah.Rubino. That's J-O-N-A-H-R-U-B-I-N-O. You can find me making my super cool comic book Riot Squad about Kid Riot and his amazing band of superheroes saving the day kicking ass and keeping Jersey safe over at KidRiotComics.com. You can check out my super cool music project, Action Duo, over at Facebook.com slash Action Duo, where I am making all the throwback R&B you can stomach. And you can check out my endless parade of selfies, including pictures with these guys, um... Over on Instagram and Twitter at Nico Action. That's N I C O A C T I O N. I think I just plugged about just as much as I could plug. Guys, I just want to thank you so much for coming out. We had another amazing episode. We talked about some really stupid shit. We talked about some really cool shit. But at the end of the day, it was our shit. So until next time, guys, until we, we dial back into Marvel's mutants, we will see you guys soon. Bye. See ya.